Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Workday Afternoon and Market View Recap here on Money FM 89.3. I'm JP on Finance, presenter for Primetime, and yes, Clarissa Montero is still off for the day, but to help us recap the week that was, the shortened week that was, of course, it's Jeff Howie, market strategist for the SGX, is on the line with us well to help recap the shortened but very momentous week for the Straits Times Index. Before anything else, I'd like to lay the table out for our listeners and and uh, give a bird's eye view of how markets here and across the region are performing. And while gains today are nowhere near those blockbuster wins and progress that was made by the SCI on Thursday, it's still looking quite solid for the uh, uh, Straits Times Index, a local benchmark now trading about seven points higher at 0.2%, but enough to put more distance between itself and that 3,300 level. It spectacularly vaulted over yesterday. Currently, the SDI is now up to 3,323 points. Value turnover also looking fairly robust, about 602 million Singapore dollars in total trade changing hands. So appetites really haven't weighed too much at the start of the year. The tiger across the broader mainboard and catalyst, we're seeing more gainers than losers. Also, the second and third line is doing quite well. 206 stocks, recent trusts that are in the green, and about 164 into the red. Now, markets are still trading in fairly muted fashion across the Asia-Pacific region. Keep in mind that mainland Chinese markets are still offline, as well as those in Taiwan, I believe. Um, but uh, so far, we are seeing that most markets are looking rather mixed in comparison to that solid confidence we're seeing here in Singapore. Take a look at the Nikkei 225, which has rebounded from recent losses currently rising by about half a percent to 27,379 points. The ASX 200 is gaining by 0.6% in Australia and still looking at one of their best weekly gains since late December, the Sydney benchmark gaining to 7,120 points. The South Korean Cosby today trades about 1.3% higher, 2,000. 742, and uh, and South Korea also looking at very strong days during the shortened trading week. And the Hang Seng roaring back to life after the extended New Year holiday and after being closed for a number of sessions. The Hang Seng and traders out in Hong Kong perhaps playing a bit of catch-up. We're seeing the Hong Kong benchmark surging 3% higher to 24,517. But coming back to the Straits Times Index, and it's remarkable to note that while the SCI has only been open for about two and a half days this week, we have seen very impressive gains for the SCI and really shrugging off those massive losses we've seen in Wall Street, especially those overnight, despite the fact that we've seen the tech-heavy Nasdaq and also the majors in the Wall Street also take a big step back. We've seen the Straits Times Index looking at a lot of strength in recent times. I bring in Jeff Howie now, who's market strategist for the SGX. And Jeff, you know, you've been fairly uh, confident, actually, with the prospects of the Straits Times Index and the way markets and stocks have traded over the last two days. Um, it really does serve as proof of the confidence you've had in it. Um, I do want to talk to you about why the Straits Times Index, in some sense, has been diverging in comparison to the to the how Wall Street has underperformed and fallen in recent days. And what do you think is is bolstering the STI case for both forward and local investors as compare in comparison to the uh, bigger uh, indices out on Wall Street? Hi, JP. Uh, well, look, it's it's really a mixture of macro and micro factors. On the mic- on the macro side, we start with that because that's really the, the the topical themes that are driving stocks at the moment are obviously the concerns of inflation, and that has pretty big repercussions for two major sectors. So, banks and energy stocks have pretty much led the world across 
the stock markets, uh, you know, whether it's the US, Asia, uh, Europe and so forth, uh, pretty much over the past five to six weeks. And that's been basically on these increased expectations for uh, interest rate increases this year. Now, because of the SDI's composition, um, you've got three banks that make up around 45% mm. of the weight of it. You throw in Singtel and Jardine Matheson, and that's the five big heavyweights, all with an individual weightage above 5%. That's 58% of the index. And you've got Singtel obviously doing a little bit of sort of transformation work around digital services. You've got Jardine Matheson, which has rallied something like 17% since it's announced its uh, share buyback program. I think it was before the open of the 30th of September. And then you've also got um, the three banks that have rallied across the world pretty much with this uh, upward shift of the of the US to 10 yield curve. Now that has uh, picked up pace in January because you saw the upward structural shift of 60 basis points last year and the increased expectations. I think we got, at the end of last year, we were only 50-50 whether we have a rate hike in six and a half weeks on the 16th of March. Now we, we are expecting uh, a 25 basis point hike, which is at 80, it's, it's currently at what, um, a 95 expectations. Um, no, sorry, it was at 95% expectations earlier in the week. It's now at 84 to 85% expectations for a 25 basis point hike and 16% expectations for a 50 basis point hike. So those inflation expectations have picked up significantly and that has led support to banks globally. But don't forget our global banks, um, while they have rallied, uh, and, and, and pretty much led the sector leaderboard, where we obviously have so much exposure in the STI. Our banks are also um, very much on cue with the other drivers of banking stocks um, across the world. Um, you've got uh, a number of, uh, I guess, drivers besides that. Uh, you've got the, um, aside from the normalisation of interest rates, you've got, of course, this, this increased digitalisation of the industry, the broadening of consumer and wealth management services are also key drivers. And on cue, you had UOB proposed to acquire Cities consumer business in four ASEAN neighbours. I think it was Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand and Vietnam. That was back on the 14th of January. And then DBS announced it was also acquiring Cities consumer banking business in Taiwan on 28th of January. So, so some dynamic drivers there. That has really led a lot of support to the STI. But what's happened this week that's, that's quite interesting is there is just so much focus on this FOMC, which which, as we said, it's still six and a half weeks away on the 16th of March. But currently expectations uh, for a 25 basis point hike, as we said, it's around 85% with the rest of the expectations for a 50 basis point hike. Now, that followed a marginally less hawkish tone midweek. So much of the catch-up that we've seen in Hong Kong today, much of the catch-up which we saw in Singapore yesterday when the SDI made that 30-month high and retested it again, today, that was basically on a little bit less hawkishness expectations during the week, uh, which most of the week earlier that week we were closed. So we had that catch up and it was, it was more broad based rather than that very uneven sector driven banks and energy stocks leading, REITs and technology stocks lagging. It was more broad based um, catch up that we saw in Singapore yesterday as well as uh, what I guess we've seen in Hong Kong today. And that's because during the week, the consensus mm -hmm. estimates for the big employment number tonight, they were trimmed a little. 
Um, we saw on Wednesday night the ADB employment change showing private sector employment actually declined by around 300,000 jobs in January. That was following an 800,000 job gain in December. And as but as much as the Fed chair has has reiterated that. Uh, in the US, the current employment level is consistent with maximum employment. Growth is still expected to come in at 4% for the US in 2022. Growth is not the only motivator for higher rates. And the price of crude oil, while it kind of oscillated around the $90 barrel mark for this past week, and I'm talking about Brent crude, it's currently just around 10 cents below its 28th January high at 91.70. So it's hanging. It's it's actually last night um, gone back to back back to its highs, and that's seen West, West Texas Intermediate also uh, traded a fresh seven-year high, and that's brought the inflation motivators back into it a little bit. So we're seeing a little bit more of that uneven um, performances today with banks and energy stocks leading uh, versus the more broader base gains that we saw yesterday, which were on on the back of uh, you know a little bit less hawkish tempo for the outlook for the Fed uh, in six and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jeff, when we talk about the banks, and really they did as usual, and you know, we might be accused of talking about the banks so much, but as you mentioned, more than 40% of the STI's total weighting and those strong gains, you can't really ignore how well they've done. This uh, prospect of rising rates, perhaps improving the prospects for net interest income. However, it has been noted by some analysts in recent times that the yield curve is showing some signs of actually starting to flatten. Those short-term U.S. government yeah. debt yields have been rising also, and perhaps leading to a bit of that flattishness. Now, when we talk about the banks here of Singapore, of course, it's not just the yield curve in the U.S. you have to talk about. It's also the local yield curve here as well. How do you think these, this flattening of the U.S. might influence the outlook for banks here? Or will this actually not be as influential on where Singapore's yield curve might actually move? And ultimately, how the banks might do here? Yeah, I mean, here we've got a little bit more um, dynamic drivers per se. I mean, we, I mean, we okay. obviously have not just what's happening in the U.S. I mean, um, and how that affects net interest income, net interest margins, and so forth. But we've also got a, a, a strong growing region. This continued focus on supply chains and growth markets also enables the banks to increase their loan growth, um, their loan book. So that can also uh, look drive to increase uh, the, the net interest income just as much as uh, in, it changes in interest rates can, can occur. And then you've got the non-interest income as well, and that's, um, that's also the, the fees and the, and the, and the management um, of, the, of these uh, wealth accounts and so forth is a, is a big part of its growth. Now, the, yes, the yield curve has flattened considerably, and that's, because, that's simply because uh, the two-year yields have um, basically seen a increase in the yield, which is outpaced what we've had in the ten-year yields, but at the same t- at the same time, the entire curve has structurally moved up, and that helps. And that's that 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 kind of um, you know when you look at the yield curve, you can't just look at the flattening and the steepening. You've also got to look at um, whether it's structurally moving downward or structurally moving upward. And last year, because of much of the steepening that we saw, particularly in the first quarter, and then that extended somewhat into the second quarter of last year, because of that significant steepening, we did see this gradual. Um, upward structural shift of the U.S. yield curve, which has been a key driver, as we say, of, of the bank performances. But banks aren't the only, uh, they, they haven't been the only uh, sector that, I guess, has seen a lot more 
uh, headwinds in in the um, you know, a lot more. Sorry, I've got it wrong in the wrong way. A lot more tailwinds <laughs> in in, yeah. in the in the inflation high inflation and, environment. And, uh, Jeff, that was my next question, right? I mean, we talk about the banks so much, but are, are there any sectors in the last couple of days, especially with the back of the impressive rally, that maybe investors aren't aware of that actually did quite well? Are there any performers out there that are getting their outstanding homework perhaps obscured by the big three? Yeah, look, there's also beyond that, the energy stocks have have actually been kept kept in line with the actual banks. But many of our we don't actually we had one energy stock in the uh, in the well utility stock, if you will, in the STI, and that's Seven Corp Industries. But this impact of higher energy prices and in addition to the supply chain constraints. Um, has seen on the energy front, we've got Semcorp Industries, Geo Energy Resources, Rex International. They have ranked among the 20 Singapore-listed stocks with the highest net institutional buying in January. RH Petrogas, I think, ranked just outside the top 30. Rex International has also announced it's the next stock looking to transfer itself from the Catalyst mm-hmm. Board to the Main Board. And then if you look at Geo Energy, Rex and RH Petrogas, they did generate similar returns in January, averaging 9%. And those three stocks Stocks, they're also among the select group of stocks involved in the exploration and production of energy resources. So they're, they're therefore subject to this supplementary reporting requirements that include quantifying respective levels of resources and resources. So for investors and listeners who are interested in, in doing a little bit of homework, more homework on these on these type of stocks, there's a lot of information there on, on the uh, SGX website, the company announcements. But meanwhile, we should sort of also uh, mention that Semcorp Industries, it has pressed on with its strategic transformation um, really from its port- in its portfolio from this brown to green energy assets and it's generated uh, something like a 14% return in January and it also announced last night it's secured a, uh, it was a long-term contract for power supply to Bangladesh from its India operations, its wholly owned subsidiary in India. And, and look, if you look at uh, the first one and a half sessions of Feb, uh, since we've reopened on Wednesday, you've got Rex unchanged, while RH Petrogas is up six tenths of a percent, Geoenergy Resources is up four percent, Semcorp Industries um, are up two point six percent. So energy's been one segment that has also, as we say, seen uh, more tailwinds than headwinds. But um, another couple of sectors just in the last couple of days um, that have uh, performed well globally have been the airlines and the transportation stocks. So we've also seen uh, Singapore Airlines up to lunchtime today uh, generate a 3% gain uh, this week to $5.11. And then on the transportation side, you also have Yangtze Jiang Shipbuilding, which has um, generated a 4% gain during the week. Um, and that's at, I think, around $1.33 today. Meanwhile, Comfort Delgrove is uh, also up 2.2% this week at $1.39. So, so that's that's um, the transportation. The airlines has kind of crept into the leaderboard over the last couple of days. But as we say, energy and banks have been the, um, I guess, the stalwarts of those stocks that have been uh, on the mm-hmm. on the on the on the other side of the coin when it comes to inflation. While we've also seen that higher 10-year yields also weigh REITs globally. Right. Uh, so again, uh, we it's, it's a momentous time. We've crossed 3,300 on this uh, short and trading week. But of course, the question, Jeff, is can we actually hold on to this and build on this as we approach next week, which looks more normal. It's going to be five trading days. China starts trading once again. And also a lot of these questions about valuations for global markets still abounding. Do you think that the STI has done enough to at least hold on to that 3,300 level as we approach the coming week? 
yeah, look, plenty of drivers. Very dynamic time, uh, JP. But for uh-huh. the moment, we, uh, we're up 6.3% in the year to date. That's, that's only over six weeks or so. Uh, don't forget it took 52 weeks to gain 13% in total return last year. We are Asia Pacific's best performing index so far this year, second in the world to Brazil. Uh, but as we say, it very much depends on the outlook for banks. Uh, at the moment, there are some very hawkish interest rate expectations built into, uh, into the consensus estimates across the world, and that has obviously supported banks. But we've, got, we've also got a lot to look forward to in the next few weeks. Um, we have the budget reporting, which is always a great time to see the, uh, the policymakers also reaffirm the short to medium term social and economic goals of Singapore. We've got uh, reporting season. So Singtel is one of those five heavyweights. It's expected to report a third quarter business update by the end of next week, um, where you've got DBS reporting as well. Uh, it's full year results for last year. Before the 14th of Feb open, UOB follows before the 16th of Feb open, and OCBC, I think it's the week later before the 23rd of the, the open. But um, in terms of trading as well, there's been, uh, for, for investors, there's also been a lot of dynamic um, buying and selling outside of the STI. UMS holding, Holdings, it maintained the highest net retail buying in January for stocks outside the STI. It saw $42 million of net buying with a VWAP of around $1.35. That compares to the month of, um, what was it, in November, where it actually saw net retail selling of around uh, $32 million when its volume-weighted average price VWAP was at $1.44. So globally, semiconductor stocks, they gave back around one quarter of their 2021 gains in January, but they have been readjusting uh, their share prices, I guess, uh, for potential supply constraints this year. And they've also paralleled the declines um, downstream in the global 5G cloud and data center stocks. So um, that's what uh, investors, I guess, one of the examples of what uh, investors were net buying in January. But on the other side of the coin, as we said, we've got micro uh, factors here, varied strategic initiatives and business transformations in our stock market. And that also saw SPH attract the highest net retail selling in January. Its VWAP was $2.33. So prior to that, uh, if you look, if you look last year, it was a top three stock by net retail selling as well, with a volume weighted average price of a dollar seventy two. And if you go back to twenty twenty, it was actually uh, ranked as a top ten stock by net buying, and that's when the volume weighted average price was a dollar thirty eight. So um, I guess plenty, plenty on that micro side, the macro side to uh, keep investors I guess, interested and occupied on on what we're doing in our stock market. Indeed, a lot of action for the Straits Times Index and the broader aspects in the recent week, and definitely a lot to look forward to as we head deeper into the first quarter. I'd like to thank Jeff Howley, market strategist for the SGX, for joining today on Market View Wrap and wrapping this very shortened but very, very memorable week for the market. So we'll be back on Monday to see if the STI has did hold on to that 3300 breach. This is Market View Wrap on Monday, FM 88.3. I'm JP Ong. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.